talking about choose joy today. Now, some of you, when you hear that word joy, you may be thinking about a different type of joy than what I'm talking about today. You may be thinking about this type of joy. Joy. You see, I'm not talking about a Disney Pixar character named Joy. Some of you, parents, grandparents, or teenagers who just still love Disney movies, I heard a little bit of laughing because you probably know exactly who I'm talking about. And although we can learn a lot about joy by joy, this isn't the type of joy that we want to learn about because this is a very crazy joy, a very different joy. And although this is a very fun joy to watch and a very funny joy, it's a bit flighty. She's a bit crazy. She's a bit up and down, but she definitely gives us a good representation of leaping for joy. Let me show you guys a quick example, and then we'll get on with our message. Ever wonder why you feel the way you do? We'll get to know your emotions. When everything in your life is going your way, that's when joy takes control. This is joy. With an unstoppable spirit and unbeatable energy, joy brings a smile to your face and no who cares, let's party! Get to know all your emotions with Disney Pixar's Inside Out, rated PG. Alright, so that's not a promotion to go tell all of you you need to go out and see this movie, but it is a pretty funny movie. And I just wanted to use that as an example to get you thinking about that picture, about joy. You see, this may not be the joy that we want to be, but we can learn a lot from it. Unfortunately, though, it's not all that accurate. You see, Disney's joy, Hollywood's joy, the world's joy is a lot different than biblical joy. So it tells us a lot about what our emotions are and how to control them, as in the movie Inside Out by Disney, they have anger and sadness, and joy, and all these different emotions, but it's a little off the wall, a little, a little crazy. So if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. They have their ups and downs, and joy in the movie is a little bit more like happiness. And I hope by the end of this message you understand what I mean by that. You see, what is joy? What is happiness? We're going to be talking about that in Webster's Dictionary. I went to them to just start this message, and Webster's Dictionary defines joy as this. Joy is defined as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. So, first off, I want to admit to you a bit of truth. I disagree with that definition. I'm going to show you why. I disagree. What if I told you that not only are joy and happiness separate, but that we can also have joy apart from happiness? A thought which goes against Webster's Dictionary and maybe you're asking how? What do you maybe you're asking why? Well, that's different than I've heard in the world, different than I've I've ever experienced because how can I be joyful if I'm not happy? I think a lot of it comes down to how do you define joy? How do you define happiness? And how does the Bible define happiness? And we're going to be talking about that today. So, if everybody could please stand and open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start with reading God's word before I move any further. I'll give you a moment to open up Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Philippians 4, 4 to 9. If you don't have your Bible with you today, I welcome you to use your tablet, use your cell phone, and 
I'll just be happy to hear that you have a Bible app on there. Now, hopefully you're using that Bible app. Hopefully you're using your Bible as well, because that's going to help you with your joy. Philippians 4, 4 to 9. All right, I will read. It will also be on the board up there on the screen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and God, the God of peace, will be with you. You may be seated. Please bow your heads as we pray. Lord, I pray over this scripture. I pray over your word. I pray to help us all learn, convict us to be able to hear today what you're wanting us to learn. Open up our ears, our hearts, our minds to you and to your purpose for our lives. Speak through me this morning and help us to see what you have in store for us. In your holy and powerful name we pray, Lord. Amen. So as you know, today we're talking about joy. But more specifically, we're talking about choose joy within oneself. You see, that's you. But what is joy? In order to really understand what joy is, I went to the streets and I started interviewing people. And when I went to the streets, what I really mean is I went to the youth group teenagers. And I just thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool to just interview our teens and let's see what they think joy is. Let's see how they would describe joy. So I asked them this basic question, what is joy? And if you were to picture joy, how would you picture joy? What do you imagine in your head when you think of the word joy? And maybe you're already starting to imagine it. And one thing I heard a lot was that they think of laughter. They think of a a person filled with laughter. So joy is or could be a good laugh. And did you know that laughter really is a medicine? Have you ever just started laughing for no reason? This past week was vacation Bible school with set up last Sunday. And some of you may remember this. I don't know. Hopefully you don't. But I walked in a room with the workers setting up. I just started laughing. And as I started laughing, I got louder and louder. And I think my wife looked at me and was like, "Uh, why are you laughing? Can you please stop? You know, the embarrassed wife. But I did it for a reason. I wanted to kind of illustrate this. And what I was able to see is laughter is contagious. And although people may have thought I was silly or I was crazy for doing it, other people started laughing. Now, they might have just been laughing at me, but they were laughing with me. And it illustrated a great point that laughter is a great medicine because although they might have been tired, they might have been working hard and might have been sore or tired from that, they were smiling now. And they were doing their job of setting up vacation Bible school happily and with joy. But what does that mean? I just said happy and joy. They can go together. But I also see this with my kids. My son Colton will start laughing. And before I know it, 
Alexa, my daughter, is laughing. Lana's a little bit better at just ignoring them, but the moment you get the two of them laughing together, you can't get them to stop laughing. And some of you parents have seen that before. Laughter truly is contagious. Now think about this. In my research on this, I found that laughter produces well-documented physical, um, I'm sorry, the same benefits as physical exercise. Now don't go thinking, and I can see some of you, that you're just going to start laughing, watching lots of comedy, and before you know it, you're going to have a six-pack or mountainous biceps. That's not what I mean. What I mean is this. When you tip your head back and crackle aloud, muscles in the abdomen, chest, shoulders, and elsewhere contract, while your heart rate and blood pressure increases. In one burst of this activity, the pulse can double from 60 to 120, while systolic blood pressure can shoot from a normal 120 to 200. Once laughing ceases, heartbeat and blood pressure dip below normal, a sign of reduced stress. So laughter truly can be a medicine. But let's get on, move on to what the team's responses were. So we heard laughter, but joy is also a three-letter word. Again, their direct responses. Joy is happiness. Joy is a lack of sadness. And then you always have one crazy dude, crazy guy who just has to try and be funny. So he said, joy is unattainable. And I say that because maybe somebody in here today is thinking that. And I want you to know joy is not unattainable. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. Joy is happiness through the sadness. Joy is being content. And we find a lot of these in Psalm 28, 7, Psalm 126, in Philippians, in the life of Job, In Paul, we can see joy being illustrated, but some of these are not necessarily correct, but others are. I want to read to you this morning from Psalm 126 as we begin to think about this. Psalm 126, and you don't have to turn there, I'll read read it to you. It really illustrates joy in a good way. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Oh, Psalm 121, wrong page. Psalm 126, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. We store our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. It's an amazing thing because we're kind of reminded a different type of restoration, but we have been restored through our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, as our Lord, through having a relationship with God. We, too, have this joy. So I hope that all of you know that you, too, can have this joy. I know that I have this joy, and I have this joy that I want everybody to see. I want them to see it just like this says. I want them to see a joy that is like a dream because you're so excited about it. You're so happy about it. You feel like you need to pinch yourself and see if you're really awake. You feel like you want to shout with joy. Or maybe as that video showed earlier, you feel like you need to dance it out. Maybe not. I'm guessing a lot of people aren't going to dance it out, but that's how we should be. We should want to leap with joy, shout with joy, because we're so excited about what God has given us and what we do not deserve. So let me give you an example how people can see this. When I used to work at Troy Ford, 
I would often hear from my secretary as I'd walk by, and I'm always whistling or singing or dancing as I step, doing something, and she'd say, Patrick, you're crazy. Why do you always act so joyful? What are you so happy about? What are you so excited about? I'd often, often have customers who would tell me the same thing. They'd tell me that they come to me as, as their manager of their vehicle and to talk with and schedule their services with because I'm a pleasant guy to be around. I just have some joy in me, and they didn't understand why. So my secretary actually asked me why one day, and I told her, what's there not to be joyful for? I'm excited, I'm joyful because I serve an almighty God, a God who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for me. I serve the one and true God that created the universe, the world around us, the God of wonders. What's there not to be excited about? So my question is, do you have this joy? Are you letting other people see this joy within you? You see, another thing up there, the teens described it as a fruit. And yes, joy is a fruit. Now, some of you may already be thinking of a certain children's church song that I've shown the kids and I've talked about. And it says, joy is not a coconut. Joy is not an apple. Joy is not a pineapple, whatever it is. Joy is not that type of fruit. Joy is part of the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit we find in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Many of the teens have this memorized. We recently talked about it in Cottage Cove on our mission trip. There's many songs for this as well. So it's hard for me to say these without singing it myself. But believe me, you don't want me to sing it. But the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So today we focus on joy, but all of these are qualities which you have inside of you. The moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, as Lord of your life, and you have a right relationship with God, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, and you have these gifts, these fruits of the Spirit. And these fruits should be something that naturally grows on you, grows within you. But you have a choice on whether or not you allow those fruits to really replenish and to really flourish into what they should be and for others to be able to see them. You may feel like you don't have joy at times. But let me tell you, you do have joy. Each and every single one of you do have joy. But you must choose to have that joy. You must choose to accept Jesus. Choose to allow the Spirit's joy to be be seen within you, to shine within you, to shine to others around you. And I ask all of you today, ask for help if you need it. Not just with your joy, but ask for help if you need to find this joy. Maybe you don't really know what it means to have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're trying to look for this joy. You're looking for hope in life. Then I ask that you ask somebody for help. Ask me for help. Ask a friend here with your Grace family. Choose to accept Jesus. Choose to allow the Spirit's joy to shine within you. In 1 Peter 1, 6-9, we read this. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
We're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but I want to tell you how great of a scripture that is, a section of scripture, how it reminds us that though we suffer, though we may go through circumstances in life, we do not need to allow those circumstances to control us. Our joy is still there. We just simply need to choose to remember that that joy is within us. Don't allow the sadness, the grief, the anguish, whatever it is to take over. Joy isn't like happiness, which is based upon happenings or whether things are going well or not. No, joy remains even amidst the suffering. Joy is not happiness. Joy is an emotion that's acquired by the anticipation, the acquisition, or even the expectation of something great or wonderful. It could be described as exhilaration, delight, sheer gladness, and can result from a great success or a very beautiful, wonderful experience like a wedding or graduation. But the definition of joy from the Bible is so much more than that. Joy is a gift. And to summarize some of this gift and some of this teaching, let me read this. The Bible teaches that Christians experience joy. Joy is often thought of as a form of happiness or the same as being happy. But they're not the same thing. Joy is a specific spiritual characteristic of a Christ follower. The Bible instructs us to be joyful and rejoice nearly 400 times. The word rejoice appears in God's word over 150 times. Joy in Christ is gladness or delight in spite of present or accentuating circumstances. The Greek word for joy, kara, is closely related to the Greek word for grace, charis. In fact, it is the grace of Christ that produces joy in the life of a Christ follower. Hear this. Joy is not an emotion, but rather an attitude. You can choose to be joyful in spite of your circumstances. Now, on the other hand, happiness. Happiness comes from the old English word hap, which literally means chance. It corresponds to the Latin word fortuna or fortuna, which means luck. These words suggest that if things just happen the way we want them to, we'll be happy. But if things don't work out the way we want, then we'll be unhappy. Happiness then has everything to do with the now, what's happening, what our circumstances are, what the conditions happen to be. Hear this. Happiness is temporary. Fickle. Joy is permanent and settled. Joy is found from within. Happiness is found from the outside and what's going on around you. Joy is one of the fruits of the result of having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You cannot fake joy. You either have it or you don't. Paul told us in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, For you receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. This is indicating that joy is associated with God and the Holy Spirit, and that righteousness and peace and joy is in the Holy Spirit. You find that in Romans 14, 17, and finds its source in God as even the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Peter wrote in what we read about this as with having the knowledge of Jesus writing. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. In 1 Peter 1.8, even our trials, James writes that we should count it all joy in James 1, 2. 
my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Jesus himself endured on the cross. And then it said in Hebrews 12, 2, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The life of Paul, Job, Jesus, the disciples, they were tortured. They were killed for their faith, and yet they were still able to have joy. So you too may be persecuted. You may go through struggles. You may go through hurts. You may go through sadness or mourning or anguish, but you too can still have joy. You must choose to be joyful despite your circumstances. You may have joy. You may still mourn. You may still cry and have sadness, but we must protect our joy from that sadness, that anguish, whatever it is, from taking control of our lives. If you give in to the sadness, it can slowly start taking control where it pushes that joy down. But the joy never leaves us. The joy is still within us. And we see that. We must depend on God to keep that joy strong. The book of Psalms has more references to joy than any other book in the Bible. And the psalmist wrote a lot about joy. And much like Nehemiah said in eight, chapter 8, verse 10, and many of you know this verse, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Depend on that joy to get you through the sadness. Depend on that joy to prevent the sadness from taking over your life. To prevent the sadness from holding you down like a weight, like an anchor. In Psalms, we find a lot of verses very similar, such as, All who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Psalm 5, 11. And then God put more joy in my heart. Psalm 4, 7. And in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. 16:11. Shouldn't our worship services just be overflowing with joy as we shout for joy over our salvation? A great reminder from Psalm 25 because God's presence will make him glad with the joy of his presence. Psalm 21:6. We must choose joy, grasp onto it and hold onto it like a precious jewel. So some of us We're living in a very different culture today, a very different time of life. We may think of our cell phones as a precious jewel. And maybe you're looking at me and thinking, that's a little weird. How would a cell phone be a jewel? Let me ask you this. Your necklace, your ring, whatever it is, your watch, your jewels, you may throw on on your dresser at night. You may put in your jewelry um, cabinet. But your cell phone, there's something about a cell phone that we hold on to. It's precious to us. We don't want to let it out of our sight. And that's what we need to do with our joy. We need to hold on to it in a way that it's always on our mind. And we need to be thinking through everything that happens. And we need to pray to God and ask him, Lord, don't allow this to to take away the joy that I have within me. Don't allow my joy to diminish. This week has been a particularly, particularly hard week for me. And it's not because of me preparing to preach here this morning. It's not because of vacation Bible school. That all goes towards it. But this week, my Aunt Pam passed away. And it was hard to deal with as, although I wasn't that close to her, and it's been a few years since I talked with her, I found myself filled with emotions. I found myself really struggling. I found myself having to choose joy. So my Aunt Pam passed away on Monday morning, and it adds to a very crazy week with vacation Bible school. 
We already had family coming in this week. Who knows my wife and kids aren't here today because my sister-in-law is being baptized at her church this morning. Praise God. We have family here this weekend for that already. But now we also had family coming in for this viewing, for this funeral. I found myself filled with emotions of sadness, with grief, and even with guilt for maybe not seeing her in her last days like maybe I should have. I found myself overwhelmed, but I also found myself filled with joy as once I got to go to this viewing and this funeral, I got to hear everybody sharing stories of my Aunt Pam, talking about her life. And despite the sadness, despite themselves being overwhelmed with grief, I heard them too finding joy. I heard them too that despite the anguish of being left behind like her husband, she had joy because of Jesus because of their salvation. And I heard them sharing memories of my Aunt Pam that I would hope that people would share at my own funeral, that I would hope that you guys would hope too would be shared. You see, Pam struggled with an illness with cancer for the last 10 years, and everyone that shared memories of her shared memories like she would never let that hold her down. You would never see her complaining. You would never see her asking God why. Now, her husband would be seen asking God why. But she would never be seen asking God why. She was always there for other people instead. She would be there calling other people and asking other people, do you need help? Do you need somebody to pray with? Do you need somebody to read the Bible with? She was always the first one to ask somebody else if she could help them. I remember my Aunt Pam not for how cancer controlled her life, but how she focused on loving others and how she focused on choosing to have joy herself despite her circumstances. And I found joy myself remembering what I remember of my Aunt Pam. And I remember her laugh. And maybe you guys can, can think about that as well as you think about people in your life who have passed away. I remember her laugh. I remember her warm hugs. I remember her joyful Um, compassion that she had for others she had every reason to give up in life she had every reason to not let her joy show to others but she allowed her joy to show to everyone around her she shared her joy with other people i have a lot of pictures in my head of my aunt but every picture that i can think of has to do with her compassion and most importantly i remember or i was reminded of her unwavering faith Her strong faith to depend on God, to look towards those very psalms I shared with you of remembering that God is her strength. She finds joy in God providing for her. And that's where we need to find our strength to push on to. No matter what you're struggling with, no matter what circumstance happens, you need to look towards God and his strength. We must focus on our faith and on God, on Jesus. Choose joy within oneself. Choose joy and allow the Spirit your faith to control you instead of your emotions. You'll have times of sadness and of mourning, but it does not have to take control. I was able to see that this week as I had these moments of sadness, of tears swelling up behind my eyes, and I was able to still be joyful as I remembered and I realized that she is with Jesus now. And I was able to remember all the great memories that I have of her, and she was a model of faith to us and to her family. Satan will try to steal your joy, but you must choose to hold on to it tight, grasp onto it like a precious jewel, 
and do not allow Satan to take over. Joy is a consequence of faith. And in Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul talks confidently about his faith in God, relating to the readers what, that whether he lives or dies is of no consequence, for Christ is honored either way. Hear this. Joy comes from having a confident trust or faith in God. By trusting God, having faith in him, by being confident that he will provide for you. No matter what happens, no matter what circumstance, you will find and hold on to that joy. Faith is essential because it dispels the attitudes that prevent joy from going beyond us, such as worry and anxiety or doubt or fear. Where does faith come from, you may ask? We know that the word of God produces faith, and that in turn produces joy. Jesus' very teachings, his words, are also designed to give us joy. The more we know God through his word, the more worry, doubt, and fear give way to faith. And that faith produces joy. So joy and God's word are foundational for real joy. We must be in God's word. We must be in communication, in a relationship, a proper relationship with God, in prayer with him. Give you one last illustration before we get to Philippians. You see a picture of a thermostat and a picture of a thermometer. You may be thinking, how does this have to do with joy? Well, let me start with happiness. Let me start with that thermometer. The thermometer is like happiness. You see, a thermometer goes up and down depending upon The temperature outside. Our happiness goes up and down. Or anguish, our sadness, whatever you want to talk about. It goes up and down just like a thermometer. A thermostat's different because a thermostat is controlling the inside of your house. A thermostat you can set to your desired specifications. The thermostat is more compared to our joy. You see, you are in control of that joy. You can choose to allow that joy to be shown in your life and to others, and to take over during those hard times. And you can focus more on God to replenish that. Or you can be more like that thermometer where you allow your circumstances to control where you're at. We need to control the thermostat. We need to control where we're at. So this brings us back to Philippians chapter 4. So feel free to open your Bibles back up. I'm not going to make you stand this time. You can continue sitting. And I also put it on the slide up there for you to read. And it tells us this. Philippians 4, verse 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. I'm sorry. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned, and received, and heard, and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So I highlighted some certain sections of that, and I want us to focus on that, because I think there's some very 
great steps or principles that we can learn from this scripture, which show, which show us how we should respond to life to protect our joy, to be able to focus on joy and be able to replenish our joy, to be able to help our joy be seen. So you have a few things. How to choose joy within oneself. First, we must choose to rejoice always. But it's more than just choosing to rejoice always. We must choose to rejoice in the Lord. And our joy in rejoicing is unrelated to life's circumstances because despite what happened in life, we're rejoicing in God. We're not rejoicing in our money. We're not rejoicing in our jobs. We're not rejoicing in family or relatives or whatever is happening in life. Now, those are great things to rejoice in, but the problem is when those things struggle, it brings us down. If we're rejoicing in God, our joy will still be there. Our joy will still be enough to get us through. Next thing Paul talks about there is let your reasonableness be known. It's one I had to think about it for a minute. Maybe you do too. Let your reasonableness be known. How does this relate to our joy? So I thought about reasonableness. What can reasonableness be meaning, especially when we look to Christ, our ultimate example of how we should be living? A sacrifice to others, loving others. So I thought about contentment, generosity towards others. I thought about sacrificing myself for others, showing people grace and mercy. And maybe we struggle with judging others too much. And instead, we should be thinking about showing them grace and mercy. Maybe this means showing them patience. I know I struggle with patience. And I see some, some smiles out there, so maybe you guys struggle with patience as well. But Jesus shows us patience. Jesus is more than reasonable to us because we don't deserve any of this. So how much more should be, we be reasonable to others and to show the joy that we have to others? Next, we have do not be anxious. Anxiousness, worry, fret shows a lack of trust and faith in God. Trust in God and his provision and rejoice in his provision. Praise his name. Praise God for what he does for you. And then we have be in prayer for supplication and thanksgiving. And that's something which some people struggle with one or the other. But And it's related to the not being anxious. We need to remember to go to God when we're worried about something. Go to God when we're struggling with something. Go to God when we need something. But don't just go to God when you need something. Go to God on the other side and praise him for his blessings that he gives you. Be thankful for what he gives you. Every year on Thanksgiving, and it will be here before we know it, we generally talk about what we're thankful for. Well, how often do you go to God and just talk about what you're thankful for? Maybe journal and make a list of things you're thankful for each day to help you focus on the joy and not whatever bad's going on in your life. Next, we have peace of God. Let me read that to you guys. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I can't spend too much time on here. I need to begin to wrap things up, and I have some great application for you. But I just want to focus one moment. The peace of God will be upon you. Can you imagine what type of peace that might be? The peace that God the Father, the creator of the entire universe, the creator of this thunderstorm behind us, the creator of such power, he has nothing to worry about. He has ultimate peace. And yet if we depend on him 
If we give him all of our needs, we can have that peace of God in our lives. That's just amazing to me to think about. God's wisdom is beyond our understanding. I'm not going to bring up the verse, but in Psalm 92.5, we basically read a psalm which says that we are stupid in comparison to God's knowledge and, and wisdom. We can't even begin to comprehend God's wisdom. And sometimes we try so hard to understand something that we weren't created to understand. We just need to depend on God, have a relationship with him where we go to him and we ask him for our needs. We thank him for his provision. And when we're struggling with our joy, we ask him to replenish our joy. Let our joy come up from within. We ask him for strength and to be our shield and our protector. Psalm 33, just real fast. I wanted to read this to you because it's another great illustration of the joy within we should have. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright and all of his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. It goes on. But that's the joy of the Bible. The joy of the Bible is something that we should be leaping for joy, dancing for joy, shouting for joy, because we're so excited for what he's done for us. And how he's restored us in a right relationship with him. And yet how often do we let that be seen? Do we choose to focus on what is true, honorable, just, pure, whatever is worthy of praise? Because that's what Paul is telling us. To protect our joy. To allow our joy to be shown and to be seen. We should focus on what is true. What is worthy. What is honorable. We focus too much on the things that bring us down and burden us. Instead of on God's word and on him. And we're, when we're struggling, when we're hurting, is our first thought to go to Facebook and type out a comment, a status update, a Twitter response, or to take an Instagram picture, or to send a sad face to a friend via text message, a Snapchat? Or are we thinking with our first thoughts to go to God? Because that's what we need to do. We need to focus on what is worthy. And God is worthy of all of our praise. Remember Philippians 4.13, which tells us, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I challenge you to commit that to memory. God's word describes joy as an unexplainable joy. And I found this useful this week at my Aunt Pam's funeral. As everybody was commenting that she had an unexplainable joy. But we can explain it. We can tell where that joy came from. That joy came from her faith and her dependence on God. And her knowledge of truth that she would go from here in this earth and this pain. She told me, sorry, she told my, my Uncle Tim, her husband, and friends that were around her bedside in the last few weeks. She said, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of the pain. I just want to go back home. Joy. Do not allow Satan to deceive you. To take away your joy. He cannot take it away. It's a choice, and we need to choose every day to choose joy. Only you can choose not to have your joy. 
or not to let it be seen. Satan can't take it away because it's a free gift that God's given us. It's the spirit within us. It's the natural fruit that comes out of us because of that proper relationship with him. Paul, in all of his struggles, still found joy in the Lord. Job, through all his his testing, still found joy in the Lord and never gave up. He never cursed God. David and many others in the Bible who went through many hurts and many trials and many trying circumstances never gave up on God. They always went back to God. And although we're struggle and our faith may diminish or go, go small at times, God is always there waiting for us to come back to him, to ask him for help. Save yourself the struggle, the, the trouble. Go to him first. To end, I have some practical applications for you. We've been talking about Paul's instructions for us. And I want us to be able to have some practical things because now you're saying, well, what do I do? If you're like me, I like somebody to tell me sometimes what to do. So number one, and these are not only going to help protect your joy, but it will also help to replenish your joy. So think of this as a challenge. Go home, pick one, work on it for a month. Then add different steps. Number one, journaling. Practical step to protect your joy, to replenish your joy, to stay abiding with God and his word in a proper relationship with him. These are spiritual disciplines. Journaling. If you love to write, journaling could be great a great discipline for you. You can record your thoughts, write out prayers, confess sin, or give thanks. You can do it creatively by writing a poem or a song. You can just scatter your thoughts on a page. Some of you would do better with this than others. I'm not great at journaling or writing out my thoughts, but I know some of you are. And I'll save some of you the trouble. I do have these typed out. If anybody wants these, I can email them to you too. We've been talking about these in the Sunday school class with the teens as I try and encourage them with their spiritual disciplines. Number two is Bible study. And these aren't in any particular order. Some would say Bible study should be first. This should be a discipline that everyone practices. It can be coupled with another discipline like journaling. Read one chapter a day every month. Maybe Proverbs because it has 31 chapters, something easy. Maybe something else like John. I I love the book of John. I I love Philippians. There's many great books. Maybe you just pick a different passage each day. But it's crucial that you are in God's word daily. As Psalm 119 verse 11 tells us, Thy word I have hid in mine heart. I might not sin against thee. And the more you're in God's word, the more you're going to be protected, the more you're going to be abiding in him, the more you're in God's word, the more that when a life issue happens, you're going to think about what God's word says and not what the world says. You're going to be thinking about about your happiness. Your joy is not dependent upon your happiness, but your joy can create happiness. Number three, solitude. Being by yourself is a lost art. Try spending some time, 20 to 30 minutes by yourself. And I know what it's like. Get your cell phone out of the way, your iPod out of the way. Truly just sit there in solitude. Maybe that's going for a hike and just sitting on the ground on a rock on a bench and just admiring God's glorious creation, but focusing on him and not yourself. Number four is prayer. Spend 15 minutes a day in prayer. Try praying in different positions. Maybe it will help you focus on him. Maybe it will keep you busy, and that way your mind doesn't start to wander. Make sure to spend time thanking God, praying for the needs of others, and confessing sin. Make a prayer journal so you can keep track of things that you can be praying for. 
Try praying out loud. That might help keep you concentrated on your prayers and keep your mind from wandering as well. Find time during your day when you can do this uninterrupted. Number five, service. Look around your house and find needs in your family. Look in your neighborhood or at the church. Find ways to help other people. Do it in secret. Pastor Sean spoke about this last week as he talked about you can find joy through service. Six, worship. Spend time alone listening to worship music. Focus your mind entirely on the things of God. Exalt him, praise him, submit to him. Spend a little time each day doing this for a month. Shout to him with joy. Leap for joy. Don't be afraid in your bedroom by yourself and you're listening to your music at the gym. Dance around a little. Let God know you are happy and joyful for all he does for you. Then lastly, confession. Once a week for a month, think about the way you live. And this is convicting. Is your life godly? Confess, confess your sins to him. Find someone you trust and confess your sins to him or her. Not because they can save you of your sins. God's already done that. But because it's important for us to have account, accountability partners or friends in life who can help us through our struggles, can help us through life. We should be living life together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as family, as friends. Remember that joy is a permanent possession while happiness is fleeting and that's why i say the joy of the movie inside out is more like happiness it's more fleeting it's more ups and downs and it even went away or started diminishing at one part of the movie our joy does not need to diminish our joy should be strong if we depend on god so why aren't we more joyful if we're children of god children of the one Almighty God, creator of the universe, and we have so much to praise him for and be joyful for. We must focus on him with our life. Philippians 4.13, remember that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Depend on God and choose joy. Choose joy within oneself. That's you. Choose joy within yourself. Don't allow other people to affect your joy, but choose joy. Please bow your heads as we pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for this reminder that despite what happens in life, our joy is not dependent upon circumstances, but we have enough joy to last a lifetime and beyond for our eternal life with you. We have so much to praise you for, Lord. And I just pray, as I saw at my Aunt Pam's funeral this week, that our faith can be unwavering. Our faith can be strong. But our faith is not in the world, it's in you. And as we choose to put our faith in you and not be anxious about anything, but to depend on you in prayer and supplication, Lord, that we can choose joy. And we can let that joy be shown throughout our lives and to the people around us. In your holy and powerful name we pray, Lord. Amen.